Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Citizen Chef is a production of iHeartRadio. It is okay to not be okay. That's the very first thing. I am not doing good today. I'm going to need a, I'm going to need a break. I need to talk to you. I need to take the day off. Then I think there's opportunities for us to make sure that we're listening. It's not just, you'll be fine. Here's this. It is, let's talk about it. Are you okay? Really? Let's get into it. Hi, I'm Tom Colicchio, and you're listening to Citizen Chef. I, I know, God, when I was 26, uh, I had just taken my first chef's job at Mondrian, and my father died, was diagnosed with, with lung cancer and died shortly after. Um, he was almost 30 years ago, I guess 30 years ago, and um, 32 years ago. Um, and I took time off. And I, I remember, you know, and par- partly because <laughs> when I first took the job, I didn't want to, I didn't want to stay. I actually decided to leave, um, but I was still working there. And I decided I'd take time off. And the time I took probably a good two months off. And, um, you know, financially, I was, I was able to, to, to deal with it. Um, but uh, the time off was really crucial because I, you know, I was, I was helping my mother, you know, put her life back together. Um, and just kind of dealing with a you know a younger brother who was who took it really hard and um, uh, just kind of as a family just trying to deal and the time off was just I remember and I haven't thought of this in years but just thinking back now having this conversation that I had that peace of mind that I could take I could take off I could spend time with my family and not really worry about it and but I, I have to imagine that there are so many people who. Um, you know, don't have that luxury. And two days later, they're back at work and they're really struggling. And, you know, um, you know, we have family medical leave act now and, and, and bereavement. So, so things have changed a bit, but the loneliness 
that's something I want to tease out here a little bit because in restaurant business, we work crazy hours. Um, often when you're in the middle of it, you're not seeing family and friends. You're not going to family events. Um, and yeah, you go home and usually after service, you're going out and having a few drinks and you come home and yeah, you, there's, there's a loneliness that sinks in and you're missing something. Hey there, how are you, Tom? My name is Jen Heidinger-Kendrick, and I am one of Giving Kitchen's co-founders. I am also our Senior Director of Community Engagement, and I help lead this amazing nonprofit who helps food service workers in crisis. Giving Kitchen can step in and step up and make sure that food service workers have a roof over their head, the water running, and lights on because we can step in and make sure that their basic living expenses are paid in their time of crisis. So, Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure. You're to be welcome. Here with you. You're welcome. Um, so, um, the Giving Kitchen started out of response to uh, your husband Ryan getting getting diagnosed with cancer, and then from that, this organization just grew into what we know today, where uh, you're on the front lines of take care of restaurant workers, um, uh, whether it's uh, whether workers are out of work, whether they're, they're, they're they have an illness, um, whether uh, there's a death in the family, uh, other other things as well. How how did it, you go from uh, hearing of, of Ryan's uh, uh, diagnosis and then from this idea of really scaling this up to help everyone? Absolutely, and I mean, you you hit the the nail on the head. We are we are giving kitchen. We help food service workers. You know that is the down and dirty. We want to make sure that we are here to offer you know stability and hope. Um, in times of crisis to one of the most vulnerable populations that we know you are very, very familiar with. Um, as you said, my late husband, Ryan Heidinger, um, you know, was diagnosed. He was he was diagnosed December of, of 2012. It was actually the end of the world, as the Mayans had predicted on December uh, 21st of 2012. And I remember sitting in that oncologist's office and a doctor just looked right at both of us and said, you've got six months. And this was a, you know, a guy who had never missed a day of work in his life, extremely well-respected and loved. And, um, and here we are just facing kind of the worst moment of our lives. And Giving Kitchen today is eight plus years old. And so you ask that question of, you know, how, how we went from this, this thought to where we are today. And obviously that takes a ton of growth. Um, it takes a, a ton of motivation and inspiration. And, and we obviously couldn't have done that without founding board members in our community who really rallied behind us and the people who ignited this forward. What we learned a long time ago when Giving Kitchen was first born is that we started offering financial assistance to full service restaurant workers inside Metro Atlanta. So just this tiny little bubble. Um, and what we did was we really just paid attention to the reality of what existed out there in our community, which means restaurant workers were coming to Giving Kitchen, they were asking for help, but what they really needed was something more. We, we, we turned on those listening ears and we said, okay, well, what, what else is, is needed? We heard day in and day out, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling depressed. I'm, I'm suffering from, you know, blank addiction, or I have this, this, this toothache that won't go away. And even though, you know, help me, you know, um, pay my rent, I still have this, you know, ongoing thing. And that's really when our uh, stability network was formed. So we developed years ago, um, this connection to community resources, whether that's locally, regionally, or nationally. And actually we have a national partner, QPR, 
uh, question per persuade refer to suicide prevention training for food service workers free across the nation. Um, but we connected food service workers, you know, many years ago to uh, just things that we knew that they needed access to. So anything from mental and physical health support, uh, mental health counselors, doctors, uh, legal aid, family and social services, anything that's able to, to really get a connector from that food service worker to that food service worker with direct community resources, Giving Kitchen can step in and offer that warm referral. Give me a, a sort of the typical person who who comes to your offices looking for help. I mean, they're, they're, you expanded past rest and now you're in Georgia, all of Georgia and Tennessee, right? That's exactly right. You know, so what's, what is what is the the average uh, you know person who comes in sort of trying to get an idea of the of and for the listeners to understand um, restaurant workers what they're going through and where they need help, why they need help, and uh, and how they get to. Absolutely. So Giving Kitchen offers financial assistance and stability network resources to any food service worker, really in America. We offer financial assistance. So connecting food service workers in crisis, whether they're suffering from an injury, an illness, the death of a family member or a housing disaster. So a flood or a fire, we can step in and make sure that their rent is paid their basic living expenses, their utilities are covered. We also offer stability network resources and can connect them to, again, community resources. Um, the typical client that we see actually will come to us online and they fill out what's what we call an ask for help form. So you, me, the food service worker can go online, they fill out this form, it will it will directly get them in contact with a case manager here at Giving Kitchen. And they'll go through this pipeline where they have to, you know, they go through a process of submitting paperwork, their statement of need, doctor's notes, so on and so forth. That will then get us, get them connected directly to a case manager so we can um, go through the qualifying, you know, uh, documentation to, to get them approved. We are seeing individuals, I mean, over the past year and a half, of course, with COVID, it's been totally different. Um, but these are individuals who are servers and chefs and, and concession stand workers, caterers who are, are you know, facing crisis that they've, they've really never experienced before. These are, you know, house fires. These are parents losing children and, and spouses. These are, um, you know, just a, a couple of weeks ago, we had um, a family who, um, you know, a wife lost her husband and, and three kids were left behind. Um, you know, see, so these are, these are just, these are real life circumstances. All of those qualifying uh, crises uh, come into play, not just COVID. Although I will say over the past year and a half, you know, we saw a skyrocket amount of, of illness cases come in because of COVID related cases. Really? Okay. Um, so it's, it's, you know, what I find interesting, I'll jump right into this one, um, is that a lot of what you provide, if we had a government that actually was a little more responsive in terms of childcare and healthcare and, and, and uh, disaster assistance, you, you would, possibly be in a very different position place right now. And obviously, you know, as, as a restaurateur, I completely understand restaurateurs just jump in. We see a problem, we jump in. We don't think about how, we don't think about why, we don't think about the difficulties. We just jump in. But it, it just seems to me that that so much of, of what you're seeing every single day um, in our industry would be taken care of if we had a more responsive government. You know, I, I, you know, that's, I, I wouldn't disagree. I think, you know, especially over the past year and a half, what Giving Kitchen learned, you know, at the beginning of 2020, Giving Kitchen as a nonprofit here in Georgia was getting ready to finish out the, the third year of our three-year strategic plan. And that week of COVID literally just opened the door and turned the lights bright for us. We, we saw 20 times the volume of 
of, you know, clients coming to Giving Kitchen and asking for help. And what we did was we took a step back. And instead of opening our doors to say yes to absolutely every food service worker here in Georgia, which, by the way, before COVID, there was 425,000 employed food service workers in the state of Georgia. And if we said yes to every single one of them who were going through underemployment or unemployment, Giving Kitchen would have failed as an organization. We had to, in turn, trust our state, our federal governments to step in and do something to make sure that this industry didn't go under. And the fact of the matter is this industry is struggling. It has been struggling and it's going to continue to struggle for a long time. But what Giving Kitchen can promise is that when a food service worker uh, is is affected by a crisis, those forward qualifying crises, um, we can step in and make sure that they, from a financial assistance perspective, they are covered. And if they need access to other resources in their community, we will be there to help them no matter what. So, so absolutely. During COVID, we, we did see a, a government response. And so unemployment was plussed up and that really helped people financially. Um, but uh, what I imagine that that you're spending a lot of time dealing with this sort of the mental health fallout from COVID um, from not only restaurant workers, but, uh, you know, at the IRC, we're hearing stories. Uh, we're, we're getting receiving phone calls from restaurateurs that are, are um, suicidal, to be you know, to be honest with you, because they are losing everything. They're seeing their life's work go away. They're depressed because they can't take care of their family. They can't take care of their restaurant family. They can't take care of their own family. Um, and it's, it's pretty dire out there. Even, even with the you know PPP and Restaurant Act money that only really reached probably 20% of the, the applicants, um, it's, it's pretty desperate out there. Have, have you seen that shift in terms of uh, constituents reaching out more about mental health issues? 100%. I mean, you're speaking exactly to an area of struggle that that is populous in, in our industry. I mean, what we know is that the food service industry is the third worst for substance abuse. It's going up. Those feelings of isolation are, you know, are, are through the roof. And it, it you know, has been the past year and a half. Um, there's more people going into mental health struggles in, in you know, in general. Um, you know, what we have been able to do is Giving Kitchen actually just launched, maybe it was perfect timing over the, the past um eight months or so, it was last December, uh, we actually just launched our substance abuse recovery initiative, uh, which means any food service worker in Georgia and Tennessee who is undergoing an inpatient treatment um, opportunity or they're in an inpatient uh, facility, we will make sure that retroactively we are going and making sure that their rent and their utilities are paid for, for the time that they are in. All they have to do is provide some doctor you know, notes and, and, and whatnot. Um, but that's exactly, that's exactly it. I mean, again, this goes back to everything that we've been hearing from our industry for so long, um, that suicidal ideation, you know, the restaurant food service industry is number two for suicide ideation. Um, when Giving Kitchen was honored the James Beard Foundation Humanitarian of the Year Award in 2019, we had the opportunity to, to have a national presence and, and platform to be able to speak to what we wanted to do to recognize that. And as I mentioned briefly earlier, you know, we partnered with QPR, which is uh, Question, Persuade, Refer. It's a suicide prevention training online, 45 minute online class that any food service worker in the United States, they go through Giving Kitchen, they can take this online training for free and immediately be empowered to help a teammate if they're contemplating suicide by at least just asking the right questions and guiding them and referring them to, to um, you know, a place for help. Do you think, uh, you know, when I was coming up, uh, the idea of asking for help uh, if you were in the restaurant industry, um, starting with, you know, I'm in the weeds, chef, I need help. Or, um, but then 
the idea of, of reaching out and, and asking for either financial assistance or, or mental health assistance was just uh, anathema to our industry. We just did, we didn't see it. Do you do you see a, this younger generation that are, is more likely to re- to reach out for for that kind of help? Yeah, I, I love the question, and you know that's something that I can I can specifically relate to because that was exactly you know where I was when my late husband and I uh, were in this journey ourselves. You know, we were young. He was not even he passed at thirty five years old. I was twenty nine when he was diagnosed, and we were those two people who did not want to. I mean, our pride was right there. We're young. We're ambitious. We're motivated. We don't need help. And it was literally this industry who said, "Let us help you." And it just that was the trigger moment for us. And that is still, you know, that that feeling of pride and whatnot um, is it's a it's a it's a brick wall a lot of times for for young people. I think what's amazing is what's been created over the past several years from other restaurant industry leaders who are focusing on mental health and awareness and and recovery initiatives. Patrick Mulvady with I Got Your Back. I mean, they have that purple heart that's tattooed on the chef coats, you know. And anybody who sees that knows that they're a trusted source. You can go in and say, Hey, how are you doing? Really, let's take a little bit of time to talk about your mental health. Obviously, with Zia Shake and Restaurant hour, After Hours in New York, I mean, they're they're focusing on mm-hmm. mental health resources. Ben's Friends with Steve Palmer and, right. and the groups mm-hmm. over there, they're you know focusing on substance abuse and, and alcoholism and whatnot. And again, it's knowing that we've got resources available to make sure that these food service workers in general know that there's somebody else out there. Um, I mean, the reality is, again, is that this industry, it's like you said, this is one of those industries that we've grown up knowing or I should say, grown up kind of going into it, having to really check your feelings at the door and turn your own personal you know, emotions off in order to help somebody else. That's what's beautiful about this industry too. It's, that's what's the, kind of this gray, gray area. Um, but that's exactly it. It's, you know, it's understanding how to blend that. I'm here. I'm a human. It's personal for me too, with the, the service and the hospitality kind of celebration moment that we give it day in and day out. We'll be back with more Citizen Chef. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. 
Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Tell me about what's happening, um, uh, you know, with the chef who's feeling lonely and isolated. How, how do you help that person? Or have you thought of, are you offering uh, any, any training sessions for chefs to actually be a little more aware of what's happening in their kitchens? I, when I was clicking on Sons, we had one of our cooks who committed suicide. Um, we had no idea, did not see this coming, was, was shocked. Um, and I, I'm just, you know, would, would sit there, you know, thinking to myself, did I miss something? Mm-hmm. Um, could I could I re- refer her to resources to prevent this? And, and um, are, are there any trainings that you think that, that that chefs are are restaurant managers, restaurant owners can use to actually get in front of a crisis? You know, I mean, that's actually something that Giving Kitchen is working on from a um, kind of a process standpoint. There are, you know, there's not every single small, you know, or independent restaurant or food service, you know, establishment has HR policies in place. Um, So that is something that we're working on as an organization to develop those kind of protocols um, and and policies and procedures that we can pass off, knowing that, again, HR and and that department is is sometimes expensive or just, you know, it's just something that somebody doesn't have. Um, But more so than anything, what we're doing is building a robust network in the areas that we serve to, again, direct people to those, um, you know, community resources. So I mentioned a few others like Ben's Friends or Restaurant After Hours or I Got Your Back or, again, any sort of mental health counseling that we have connections to, uh, that's kind of the opportunity that we have to help help those chefs and, and restaurateurs out there. Typically, how, how long, when you see someone in crisis, typically how long are they going through crisis? How, how, how long are you helping? So kind of twofold, you know, I guess you could, I could argue that I'm still going through a crisis and my husband, you know, my, and you, you know, but I think from, from that standpoint, and and that's, and that's kind of another discussion there too, but from the, the point in a food service worker coming to Giving Kitchen and asking for help and receiving financial assistance or a resource uh, Mm -hmm. is, is typically less than two weeks. There Uh, are many times that when we are faced with an eviction issue, um, you know, we can help within 24 to 48 hours. And I will say, that nearly 75% of the financial assistance clients that Giving Kitchen serves say that we helped prevent an eviction from occurring. How long, how long can you provide support to someone? You know, we, we can provide support um, every six months if there is an emergency crisis, you know, something like that. So we really are intended to kind of step in from that emergency standpoint, that crisis standpoint. Chronic issues is not something that we necessarily cover outside of being able to offer a stability network resource. So, again, we've partnered with countless of individual service providers. So even, you know, doctors or, again, those mental health counselors or, um, again, any sort of uh, connection to legal aid services that we can um, for, for those individuals who may need more long-term help, that's really when the stability network through Giving Kitchen is more mm-hmm. of a priority. Right. I mean, obviously, this, you're working in Georgia, you're working in Tennessee, there's other organizations, but th- this is, a, uh, I would imagine, a need across the country. Do you, would you ever, you know, do you foresee a, a, a time when organizations like yours and, and others can come together and provide a, a national um, network and crisis hotline that's funded by the industry? M- my goodness, I hope so. Yeah. Right. I would. Is that, that is that a goal? Is that is that something you're working towards? You know, Giving Kitchen's goal right now is to be a southeastern regional agency over the next few years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we scratched everything that we thought was Giving Kitchen last year. In fact, there was a serious time where we didn't know if Giving Kitchen would exist last year, and 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 strongly asked ourselves the question: Are we even needed for this industry? 
And uh, we, we came out of 2020 saying, absolutely. Um, You know, for us being a household name and being a national agency, uh, you know, the American Red Cross for, for food service workers, you know, we mm-hmm. are giving attention, we help food service workers. I mean, that, that is our intention. I think we're not going to get anywhere if we're not willing to, you know, team up with other um, organizations and nonprofits doing really good work. I will say, you know, Giving Kitchen is not a pay to play opportunity. I mean, you know, if Giving Kitchen, if, it, if food service workers come into Giving Kitchen, we're not asking for anything back. Maybe share our story, maybe be an advocate for somebody else. Um, but, you know, what we want to do is be able to empower um, and offer, you know, um, opportunities for food service workers to get back on their feet or get back into their, you know, um, you know, the owner of, of, of the restaurant just to get back them back on their feet. I mean, this isn't just about the employees. This is really anybody in food service. Um, if we can be a part of that, you know, discussion to, and it means that we become a little less needed, then I guess there we go. Um, what, what are you talking about? What's, what's needed? What do you, what do you think is needed? So you see fewer people, what, what, what is going on in our industry that you think could, could make the biggest effect of, you know, effect on our industry where people aren't in a position where they, they have to come to you? What could stabilize it? Is, is it, is it unemployment going up to $15 an hour nationally? Um, is obviously healthcare, childcare, all of those those other things. Um, but w- what would make the biggest difference? You know, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's you know that we're we're definitely a stopgap. I know. I mean, I I have an eighteen month old, so I'm going through the whole childcare thing myself. My husband was in this, <laughs> was in the food service industry pre pandemic and has been out since and uh, is is you know going into another field after this. I think, you know. All I, this is what I know for sure is that the food service industry um, is going to need um, each other. This is an industry that cannot be automated, should never be automated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is, you know, one in four Americans have worked in food service. So this is something that we have this kind of gut connection to. We want to be in this, you know, um, place of cele- celebration. Um, so I think we as people just gravitate towards that. I do think that, you know, the focus on uh, taking time for yourself. Um, maybe similarly to the way that, you know, our corporate America does, you know, taking lunch hours and, you know, following mm-hmm. character hours and just, again, taking, go outside and take a break. Those are um, kind of wholesale philosophy type changes that I think this industry needs to be empowered by um, and start to practice um, in order for this industry to feel healthier and and to look healthier right. all the way around. Yeah, one one thing we're kicking around, we're we're getting close to 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 pulling the trigger on it. We just need to hire more people to make it work, uh, and that's going for it to a, a four day work week in the back of the house. Because uh, my cooks have to work ten hours a day mostly. We, we schedule them for eight. They end up working nine or ten. They can't get the work done, and that's fine. I, and I used to schedule ten hours five days a week, um, but it actually it just makes sense. And and every time you know I sit down with the chefs and managers and talk and, and look at the scheduling, it makes sense from a scheduling standpoint. You know, and then you have three days off, and so the because listen, we we it's no secret that kitchens are intense, um, even kitchens that. You know, I just opened up this trattoria next door to craft. It's a it's in our private dining room and it's really casual. Mm-hmm. I was cooking three, four nights a week on the line and having fun with 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 the cooks. And it was a blast, but it was still pressure. Um, you know, it was a lot less intense than some of the other kitchens that I that I've I've run, but this was it's but it's still there's pressure to get food out. There's still pressure to get the station set up. Um it's not, you know you don't have someone screaming at you um but it's it's uh it, it's still it's still pressure and i i think four days a week 
of dealing with that kind of pressure, I think three days of having an outlet to, to you know, again, take care of yourself. You have more time to take care of yourself um, and find other things that are going to make you happy. Um, and then, listen, if you choose to work two days, two, two of those days somewhere else to, 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 you know, make more money, that's fine. You still have a day off. I don't know if, if the, if, if our, if our industry would ever, would ever go there. Um, but it seems to me in the corporate world, more and more people are talking about it. Absolutely. I mean, it's actually something that giving kitchen practices, we do what we call summer Fridays. And so mm -hmm, for us as an agency kind of rule is that, you know, if you feel like you're in a really good place, uh, treat Fridays as your three day weekend and take, take that mental health break, go do yeah. a vacation with your family or use it to be, you know, have that be the cultivation day and go have all your coffee and your lunches out or whatever it might be. But I will, I will say, you know, um, there, there is something to it. I mean, it's, there is something to just a, obviously starting at the top and making sure that you're practicing what your hope is or what you're preaching, you know, so to speak, that if you're going to take some time away, make sure you're getting outside take a deep breath, drink water, you know, show your staff that you love them in other ways than just you maybe with alcohol or, you know, you know, those types of extracurricular activities with, you know, that may lead to, to that uh, discussion. Um, but yeah, th those are small things that us as a nonprofit are practicing. Um, and, you know, it, if it, if it doesn't feel good and we feel like we can't do it, then we just have a quiet day and we work an email. Yeah. Yeah. We, we eliminated staff drinks a while ago. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of felt like yeah, we're encouraging people to drink. Maybe not a good idea. Um, we also got rid of all of our you know holiday parties for other reasons because it was usually uh, several people needed to be fired for sexual harassment the day after. Um, so we we got we got, we got rid of those two. Um, yeah, it's it's you know a lot of times uh, our we we started doing is is we we actually did a party I think two years ago where we just gave out drink tickets and after you had three. And that was it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then the establishment they weren't allowed to take cash, so we just monitored that way. But it's, it, it does seem like we're we're adding fuel to the fire by by constantly putting people in a position where drinking becomes part of the social, you know, part part of being social. Right. Um, and so, someone who who is is possibly doesn't want to drink or is looking to cut back. Um, they feel they can't. It's, it's there's a, there's a pressure to to you know drink and have a good time and go out and drive really hard and and i think uh um you know to me i just felt like you know why why continue this it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense um in terms of, of suicide prevention um when we see people you know obviously like anthony bourdain who seems to have everything going on you know i imagine the cook out there saying you know what what chance do i have um when i'm depressed um, I'm feeling like I don't want to go to work. I'm feeling like, you know, it's, it's just never going to work out. And then I see someone who, you know, everyone held up as, is a, such a, a huge figure in our industry, you know, um, you know, what chance do they have? First of all, it's so hard. All I will say, and I'm a true believer in this, it is okay to not be okay. Yeah. It's, we have got to own up to that, don't we? We have to. Sure. And it does, that starts at the very, very top. When you talk about pride and you talk about wanting to care for others and you are actively doing that in this industry, you are literally feeding and nourishing someone's soul. It is okay to not be okay. And that is the very first, that's the very first thing. I am not doing good today. I'm going to need it. I'm going to need a break. I need to talk to you. I need to take the day off. 
I hope that you have someone within that organ within your organization who's going to recognize that. And if they right. don't, then then I think there's opportunities for us to make sure that we're listening and that we offer the resources to those individuals because that's that is really truly at the end of the day, um, I think we're really going to start. It's not just hey, you're gonna you'll you'll be fine. Here's this. It is let's talk about it. Are you okay? Right. Really? Let's get into it. Right. So it's, it's, it's about restaurants, restaurateurs, chefs being proactive as opposed to waiting for someone to come and say, oh, I have a problem saying, please come to us. We're, we're open. We're here and, and talk about it. You know, to, to really talk about, you know, these issues that we all don't want to talk about. Absolutely. Um, and providing that platform, providing that, that safe space for people to actually come in and, and, and tap out if they have to. Like, I, need, I need a break. That's exactly and making, right. making that okay. I mean, and, and you know, I, I can hear people on the other side of this listening to this for their restaurant business. Well, financially, we can't do that. They're always going to say that. Um, financially, you probably didn't think you'd be able to provide what you're providing, you know, five years ago. Um, you make it work. Yeah. And, and I, I, I also think that, if now, now, you know, it used to be, I mean, I literally had had years ago when I was at Grand Ritchie Tavern had cooks quit because they felt I wasn't yelling enough. I had a young guy say to me, you just don't seem to care. You're not screaming at people. That's <laughs> well, amazing. If, if that's what you're looking for, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong place. Maybe you should, should leave. Um, wow. And, you know, but there is, there is, the, the, it seems to be changing a bit, but there always has been that feeling that, that you're expecting a kitchen to be a certain way. You know, you're, 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 you're coming out of culinary school and all you're hearing uh, are the, the war stories. Mm -hmm. And so you feel that, you know, if you're not living through that war, well, then clearly you're missing out on something here. Um, and, and yet um, our industry is, is rapidly changing. And, and I don't think it's because of, of, of a lack of commitment on some of these young cooks part. I think they really care about food and care about the industry and care about hospitality. They just don't want to go through the wars. Yeah. And, and so it's either our industry starts changing or the, the restaurants that don't change, I think are going to get a reputation for not caring and they're going to have a hard time staffing. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. I, and and I think that's what's really going to, you know, listen, because everybody's, you know, very quick. Well, how can we do these things? It's going to cost money. Well, it's going to cost you a lot more if you don't. And that's when that's the tipping point. Right. Exactly. I mean, we we some of us grew up, you know, in families who, you know, their parents were, you know, had had big vocal cords. And, you know, that was the way of, to, you know, in, right. in, in, induce fear and whatnot. And and some families didn't. And they gathered around the table every night and there was game nights and all of those things. But there is, you know, I think from a longevity perspective and a wholesale change, it, you know, speaking philosophically is that, you know, what's really going to get in what people are going to really naturally gravitate to and, and kind of stick with is when somebody is actually there with open arms and willing to engage and actually listen and, you know, really actively listen and to take a step back because the moment I think I, I would agree, like, you know, if that yelling is that's so finite of a moment, but it's that active listening and that really taking in and then that pursue of, of help, whatever that road might look like is really going to change somebody's kind of, um, you know, well-being or, or perspective. Um, and I think that that's going to take a lot um, more strength um, than I think the alternative in weakness form. Ready? Okay. 
Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. It's, you know, I'm just thinking back to, um, I had a woman who worked for me who was, who was going through a problem with addiction. And she, she was... I, you know, really great and worked in a few of my places and, and she was struggling. And, uh, I took her, I took her aside and said, you need help. And I actually through some friends, uh, found, found a place for her to, to go. And, um, she got, she came out the other side. She's clean. She's sober. She's working right now. And, uh, um, and I, every now and then I hear from her and, uh, but you know, for me, it, 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 it's interesting because there was a lot of pressure in my organization just to cut her loose because it didn't start off where she was addicted. It started off of her calling out or showing up late or clearly being, you know, just not ready for work. Um, and, you know, there was a point that I could very easily say, you know what, you're, 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 and, and she worked her way up to a sous chef, you know, you're, you're slacking off and I got to let you go. But for me, it was more about, you know, so I, I'm not going to, you know, I, I have a, I had a sense if I had done that, she may have been a casualty. Yeah. And, and, um, and I don't know if it comes from just not being in the weeds in my restaurant anymore. You know, I'm not in there, you know, purchasing, scheduling, hiring, firing, expediting every night. I, I, I'm, I'm too old for that, actually. <laughs> and so, um, and so I, I don't know whether it was because I was able to take a step back and look at what was going on as opposed to reacting. Cause I don't know mm -hmm. if my younger chef would have done that. Mm -hmm. My younger self would have done that. Um, and, and, and I'm not sure why I chose this time to do it, but it, there was, there was something that was, and maybe because I, you know, every now and then, it's, it's, it, you don't have favorite employees, but every now and then you end up working with someone and you just kind of, it meshes, it works. And, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I, I think, again, this is why I'm trying to think about what, um, what signs that I saw yeah. to have me, me take a, a deeper interest as opposed to just kind of 
writing it off. And, and you know, again, thinking thinking of it now, well, how how do you institute that? How do you how do you make sure that becomes the practice that becomes norm? How is that written? And we do have an HR uh, group, you know, HR team in our, our restaurants. But how do you write that in? I don't I don't know. It's, it's I, I actually I think that's a great question and something that is hard to pin, which is exactly what you're doing right now. A, you, yeah. you're smart. You have a you have a gut instinct. So first of all, just know that you're human. And that you are, like you said, in the weeds day in and day out with these individuals. I was not there, obviously, but I am sure that there was something that just red flagged for you that just sat in the pit of your gut and always trust that is something that I've learned. And also reality is, is that if from the top down, we are actively engaging with our employees for five minutes once a week and setting them, taking them outside of the kitchen or the floor and taking them outside on the patio and say, I want to sit with you and ask you how you are doing. Really, how are you doing? Take a pause and actually engage with them in that way. Obviously you're building some sort of a, a, a rapport on, and built on trust. And if you're doing that actively week in and week out, then those gut instincts will come to us more naturally. And I think thus in turn, I mean, again, we know that suicide is extremely prevalent in this industry. And um, I mean, look at you. I, I would say thank you for for following your gut and, and, and taking some action there because you probably helped save some lives. And so I spotted it. But how do you, how do you train that? That's a, how do you get that gut to where it becomes practice as opposed to I got lucky? Um, and putting that into, into practice where it's actual, not just written in a, in a, in a manual somewhere, which actual practice. That's exactly right. I mean, you, you, I mean, I think it's really great to have policies and procedures and you ask your employees to read it and you sign the book, but yeah. if you're not doing an actual check-in right. from management down. I mean, that's could be many people. Well then, I mean, even outside of staff meeting, like I get staff and like family meal, family meal is an amazing opportunity for yeah. many of our restaurateurs to engage with their staff. If they don't have those five minutes, you know, every week or every other week or whatever, but like you have to develop those types of tactics to just be humans with each other in order to really see anything that's on the other side. Right. So, yeah. So we go over the reservation book, we go over specials, we go over service issues and we go over mental health. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That should be a part yeah. of the agenda. Yeah. You go, right. you probably yeah. talk about your guests more than anything else about the guests coming probably. in, who they are, sure. than about yourselves. And that's backwards. So. Yeah. That, I, I guess, I guess that, that is backwards. Uh, you know, we, we always, I've been there. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we we always talk about how we put our our, our workers first, even before the guests. Um, and you know, the idea that we, if we treat our our workers poorly, how can we ask them to go out and treat our guests, you know, hospitable? Okay. Um, and I guess it's just going a little deeper. You know, the the, the paradigm of, of what taking care is really needs to change. Uh, it sounds like absolutely. You know, we think about taking care of someone by giving them a pep talk when they need it, and and uh, you know, maybe listening. I mean, I've you know listen to people written, you know, giving people loans and things like that. Maybe it's a little more, maybe it's, it's really checking in past that and saying, okay, if you're, if you're going through financially a hard time, if you're going through a difficult time because uh, you lost a, a you know, parent or, or the, the relative, um, what is it doing to you? Not just that you did it, you're living through it, but now that what, what effect is it having on you? Um, because we know it does. I mean, yeah. for, for me personally, it has kind of changed just my outlook on humanity and my perspective and just the way that I kind of go through my day. I really, um, 
I mean, personally also, but also obviously professionally, because this is literally what I kind of live, eat and breathe all day, all night, seven days a week, um, is I lead with gratitude. And I just know that my, I very often say that this community who rallied behind my late husband and myself eight plus years ago helped change his life. And it ultimately saved mine because he ended up passing mm -hmm. away. And there were many times where I did not want to wake up. Sure. I was on the bathroom floor sobbing hysterically and thank God I had dogs at home. Right. Well, I mean, for real, like, because if there yep. was nothing there, I don't know. Like I, yep. there was a lot that, and there is a lot that will just that people can succumb to um, because it is painful. It is hard. It is very hard. Um, and again, for me, there was there was there's just the right amount of, of individuals out there who were willing to listen to me speak um, and get it off my chest because I knew I wasn't OK. And I got through it day after day after day. Um, and I am, you know, I'm not I'm not the only one out there who's been through pain. You know, many all of us have. Um, but I am one individual who can speak to it that, um, you know, you can get on the other side and, and live with it. So Jen, for the, for the person out there listening to this podcast, uh, how, how do they get in touch with you? Please just go to givingkitchen.org. If you are a food service worker in need or know someone who is, please ask for help. There is a form on our website. It's super easy to fill out. If you're looking for ways to give, uh, please feel free uh, to do that as well. We will always take anyone sharing the work that we do, uh, sharing our mission, spreading the word. Um, contributing financially if you can, but everything can be found at givingkitchen.org or follow us on social at Giving Kitchen. The work that you're doing is is, is it therapeutic? Is it, is it how you, is it how you cope? Toe 100%. I am one of those. I um, am a strong advocate for therapy. Um, I see a therapist actually every once in a while still when I really need it. It's often. And back in the years, I would go once a week. I mean, for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a huge, huge proponent of that. Um, I cope by being able to do this with people like you and my community, national stages, local stages. Again, really just sharing a very personal account to why this nonprofit exists and in turn being able to share other stories of food service workers that we have helped and who have told us that we have you know, been able to help change their lives. I am a testament to it because it happened to me. Um, and that is, is quite literally what propels me forward. I think we can end it right there. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, this is this, the work that you're doing is, is, is great. And uh, uh, unfortunately it took a, a real tragedy to, to, to get you here. Um, and, uh, but yeah, you know, I guess, I guess it, it take comfort in, in realizing that uh, things happen for reasons and uh, you know, it's, I appreciate that, Ryan, yeah. on a very, in that very first fundraiser that was put on for us to help us through that final year, he actually stood on stage in front of 850 people and said that what he was given this moment was a gift and that you know cancer was just a part of his journey. And he knew long before um, his closest uh, family members and loved ones that he, he probably wasn't going to make it. And um, he changed the he changed, you know, the course of food service for a long time changed a lot of lives in, in, in the process yeah for for so many people yeah i really appreciate yeah. you thank you very very much thank you listen this happens in, in so many industries but there's no one there to help this is the failure of our government because so many of these things that you have to provide and, and I, I come at this from uh, you know being an anti-hunger ad advocate 
you know, f after my wife made the film A Place at the Table, I mean, the thesis was that we could end hunger if our government just actually decided they wanted to. And what's one decent outcome of COVID is that we cut poverty in half over the last, you know, couple months because of the robust response. And this is where I think that grants from the government to, and so instead of the government actually trying to do all of this, just reach out to organizations that are doing a great job and grant them money to continue to do their job so they don't have to do fundraisers. Because someone's mental health, uh, someone's, uh, whether or not they're going to stay in their in their home or not, shouldn't be dependent on someone's largesse. This is where I, I get frustrated because it, it seems that you can have this idea where government should do very little. But on the other hand, who is going to do it? Because there's still need. We could completely you know, put our head in the sand and pretend nothing's happening, but the need is there and it's not going to go away. So until until then, <laughs> um, uh, we're just uh, happy, lucky, um, and fortunate to have someone like Gibbon Kitchen to step in. Citizen Chef is executive produced by Christopher Hasiotis, produced by Gabby Collins, and as always, a special thanks to A Place at the Table. Citizen Chef has a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like this, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows.